This show is brought to you by Hospice Chaplaincy, promoting excellence in spiritual care at the end of life. For more information, please visit www.hospicechaplaincy.com. You are listening to The Hospice Chaplaincy Show, a show where we talk about the psycho-spiritual and psychosocial aspects of -of end-of-life care. You can find our podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to give us your feedback by writing a review on iTunes and any platform you listen to the show from. And now, here are your hosts, Joe and Saul. From Hospice Chaplains and Audio Hive Podcasting Studios in Joliet, Illinois, this is the Hospice Chaplains Show. I'm Saul Alabama. And I'm Joe Newton. Our guest today is Owen Clement, who is a priest from England. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Arwen, uh, could you give us our listeners a little background of your uh, faith or spirituality during your childhood? Yeah, of course. So I was actually raised in a, a pagan family. My mum is a pagan. She's a follower of the goddess movement. And my dad was a um, kind of like a mythologist. He was really into um, folklore and uh, myths and legends and things like that, things connected to the earth and the land and kind of all the, the stories and things that kind of go with that. And, uh, yeah, that was that was my background growing up was, was this kind of stories of, of the earth and fairies and elves and, you know, things like that. And um, my mum's faith of believing in the goddess and we used to go... Um, and sort of meet groups of people and celebrate all the Wheel of the Year festivals that we follow in paganism. Um, we went to camps in the summer and just kind of all that kind of thing. And I just I grew up with all of that as my kind of background in my childhood. And then in my teens, I had a bit of a, I suppose you could call it a rebellion. It was the only thing I could really do to upset my parents was to was to sort of kind of say, no, I don't think I agree with you anymore on all of that. Um, mm. You know, it, it was... Um, my parents were quite liberal, so um, I, uh, I think I sort of upset them because I said, I'm, I'm going to go and explore. So I kind of went off for a couple of years and spent a little bit of time exploring Christianity. And um, also one of my teachers at school was um, Baha'i. Um, so I spent some time hanging out with her and some of her people. Um, and it was all really interesting. It was a really valuable um, time of like learning and exploring and everything but in the end I kind of thought no actually I think maybe my mum's a bit more on the money and I, I kind of came back round um to paganism again um kind of in my later teens and, and then I've been with it ever since and I'll be 42 this year so it's um kind of, you know 30 25 odd years of my life um I've, I've been walking this path and and it just deepens the older I get um the deeper my faith gets. So do you have people that, of course, I'm sure there has to be a lot of people who come up to you and question what it means to be pagan. And is it a positive experience? For the most part, yeah. I mean, I think... 20 years ago, it was less so. Um, paganism, unfortunately, has always been quite badly misunderstood. Um, yes. Think, um, you know... Some folk think that we worship the devil and, and things like that, but it, it's the devil doesn't even um, exist within our um, framework, within our um, belief system. So, um, you know, it's, it's um, they're kind of off beam, uh, you know, with that. Um, 
Yeah, it, I'm finding that, you know, as I say, sort of the older I, I get, the more time kind of passes, the more curious people are, and they're a bit more open and a bit more willing to ask a question and, and you know, want to, to understand you know, what paganism is and um, you know what it means to me and then when I explain they're always I think quite pleasantly sort of surprised and they expect it yeah. to be something a bit weird and actually um, you know I mean I, I suppose maybe some things that, that you know we, we do or think maybe are a little strange to some people but it's certainly not as weird and out there as I think people expect it to be. Um, I, uh, I did a, a naming ceremony for some children a few years ago um, and everybody kept coming up to me and saying, so, so you're a pagan priestess then? And I was like, yeah, that's right. And, 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 and they were just all really, really curious. And then I, I did the ceremony and afterwards everybody kind of came up to me and said, well, that was really lovely. I, you know, and it, it was this sort of very surprised kind of tone because I, I don't know what they thought I was going to do. I don't know if they thought I was going to, you know, do something really strange to these children to, to bless them. But, but you know, they, they were all like, they, you know, there was this very um, surprised tone in everybody's voice afterwards. So, yeah, it's definitely um, an interesting path to, to walk in in that respect because, uh, you know, we're not well known. Pagans tend to be very um, solitary, very insular, very private in their faith and in their practice. Um, you know, we do gather sometimes in, in groups for, for celebration, but typically it is a very solitary, personal um, sort of faith system. Is that intentional? Um, I, th I think it's. A, I think it's, it's intentional in some cases. I think, I think for some people it is just you know it is a, a private thing, and that's entirely um, you know reasonable. And I think for other people actually it's just because of um, persecution. Um, you know, like any minority faith group, we've experienced our share of um, you know prejudice and misunderstanding and abuse and um, and all that kind of goes with that. And it's mostly rooted in fear, as I say. You know, people expect us to you know be weird or do weird things um you know and that they've been told um you know strange things by people or you know the media uh, really don't help because the media will often pick up a story you know um from time to time you know somebody that, that's done something really awful but happens to um you know have a declaration of of, of something akin to uh, you know pagan um faith mm -hmm. um and then they, they use it in the headline and say you know this witch did this or this shaman did this or um you know this pagan blah 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 blah. you know they, they, they kind of sensationalize us and actually the the person's faith was absolutely nothing to do with the act that they committed but in hanging the two together in a news headline of course it, it paints a picture in people's minds about the sorts of people that we might be that's like really really inaccurate and it's really frustrating. So I think a lot of people keep their faith private and keep their views private because they don't want to, you know, experience people's, yeah. um, you know, prejudice and misunderstanding and, and discomfort. So you're you're uh, being quite brave coming out and doing this on this podcast, which happens to go, of course, worldwide. And uh, uh, I, th I find that very. Uh, I, I'm, that's why I'm one of the part of the reasons why I'm so excited that we had this opportunity to learn. I mean, and this is something that uh, you know, growing up Christian as I have, uh, going to seminary and doing all that stuff in education, and all we hear about is pagan rituals. You know, because it's pre-Christ, you know, pre-Christianity, uh, and that's all you hear. You don't hear anything else about it, and that's why I'm glad you're here. 
I've, I've always, ever since, sort of from that point in my late teens where I, I kind of came back to, to the faith, I made a really clear decision then that, I would always be open because there's a bit of a joke because um, some pagans classify themselves as, as witches as well. So there's this kind of in-joke about people being out of the broom closet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, but no, I, you know, I always kind of have held on to the decision that, uh, you know, I was willing to, to stand up and, and be seen and, and to declare um, my beliefs really openly because I knew that if there weren't at least a few of us that were able to do that, we'd never get understood. We'd never, mm-hmm. um, you know, find our way into mainstream understanding and, um, you know, to be um, taken seriously as a, as a faith group alongside um, all the others. Um and touch wood, I've been really lucky. I, I personally have never, um, you know, experienced any really major, um, you know, negative responses to, to my faith and, and, and beliefs. If anything, as I say, just sort of curiosity and, and, and sort of pleasant surprise in, in the main. But I think that's because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a very small, very polite, you know, blonde, blue-eyed British woman. <laughs> um, and, oh. I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm quite normal. Um you know, it's sort of, I think, you know, people sort of suddenly realise that the, the picture that maybe they've painted in their mind of, of what a pagan is or what a pagan should look like doesn't match what's in front of them when, when exactly. they meet me. And, and it, 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 it makes that space then for, for um, a willingness to, to kind of go, OK, so hang on, what is this then? And, and, and then they kind of engage with it. And it's, um, it's a positive thing. Good. So um, you call yourself a priest instead of a priestess. Could you give us the reason behind that? Yeah, sure. So I made that decision oh, a few years ago now. Um, I mean, partly it's, um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily um, want to ascribe to sort of, um, you know, some sort of gender rule about the fact that just because I'm female that I should be titled a priestess. Um, but also it's because there are a lot of people in the um, sort of last, I don't know, maybe decade or so, but certainly in the last few years, particularly since the growth of social media, there are a lot of people out there who use the title priestess and they don't mean it in the context that I do. So, um, you know, I am a priest in the sense that I am a chaplain, that I, you know, I sit with the dying, I take ceremony, um, I do weddings, I do funerals, you know, all, all of those, you know, very kind of classic, um, you know, priest jobs. Mm-hmm. And there are um, people out there in certainly sort of in the more new age community who call themselves priestesses. And what they're about is, um, you know, money, abundance, mindset, and or, you know, um, I don't know sexual power and you know all sorts of you know there's, there's a real you know rainbow of, of kind of um, you know different folk doing different things but using um, that title as a, a kind of just um, uh, kind of a status uh, you know a, a, a sort of position themselves uh, you know with, with what they're doing but it bears absolutely no relation to, to the work that I do so I felt for me it felt more appropriate to uh, adopt the title of, of priest as a as kind of a professional role to kind of try and make that distinction um, between myself and, and other people out there who are titled as, as priestess doing other kinds of work. Yeah, with that, we'll take a little break. Our guest is Awen Clement, who is a hospice chaplain, but also a pagan priest. 
We'll be right back. If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service, providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI Helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at nami.org. I'm Sole Bam, and you're listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. Owen, you wrote a book, uh, Moonwise, on how to find peace and power with the cycle of the moon. Could you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, so Moonwise um, came out of a, a sort of several years um, kind of exploration, really, of living um, kind of in tune with the cycle of the moon. Um, it was something I'd explored a lot a few years ago, um, particularly connected um, with women's sort of menstrual cycles and pregnancy and birth. There's quite a lot of work out there, a lot of teachers out there um, doing that kind of thing. Um, but what I realised was that uh, one of my teachers had explained that there was a, a connection between um, ourselves and the phase the moon was in on the day that we were born so I was born two days before the full moon um, and I had been kind of following um, the cycles like keeping like a diary of, of like my energy and my, my creativity and stuff um, you know in um, relationship with with the moon and I was I kind of started to notice that around that time around the, the kind of two days before the full moon that my energy was particularly high that my creativity was really high um, and, and just that I seem to, to have a lot more about me. And then I noticed that, uh, you know, on the sort of the opposing side of that, that um, sort of two days before the new moon in the cycle, that I was completely the opposite. I felt really low. I felt really tired. I didn't want to do anything, couldn't be sociable. So having noticed it, I started paying like closer attention and like for several months kind of really closely um, kind of monitored that and, and just found that it was absolutely true. Month in, month out, it was always the same. So I started telling other people about it and asking them to take notice and see whether it made a difference to them. Like we'd look up what their moon phase was in a book and um, get them to kind of do the same thing. And all these people kept coming back to me and going, that's, that's, that's really weird. Like that, that there's something in this, like, uh, you know, and it started actually really making a, a difference to people, this, this understanding of, um, their kind of energy cycle in relationship with the moon and it got to the point where I was talking about it so much it became easier to decide to sit down and actually write and publish a book about it because there's quite a lot to it and, it, and you know you just sort of end up talking about it all the time so um, yeah that, the book's been out it'll be two years this summer um, and it's only a little self-published thing you know I, I did it by myself but it, it's been really well received and a lot of people have got a lot of value out of it. I am just, uh, un, 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 you know, was not unaware until I started looking at your website uh, about uh, the moon cycle. I know nothing about it. So, I mean, I, I know that it, the moon, the cycle of the moon uh, triggers tides in the ocean. So, I mean, there is, there is some 
something in there as far as what that's all about. Can you, someone who is really unaware, what it all is about? I mean, how does, you know, you spoke of energy and being down. How else does it affect you? I mean, yeah, like I say, creativity is a, a big one. Um, okay. You know, it's, um, I consider myself to be quite a creative person. I, I, I like to do a lot of writing. I write poems. I, I've done lots of creative writing. I um, I like to, to paint and draw and knit and, you know, all sorts of um, creative things. But, um, but yeah, ask me to do that around New Moon and, and just, nah forget it there's just no way um and, and actually sort of feeling like kind of sociable social energy I find um if I try and kind of arrange to you know go for coffee or, or lunch with friends around the, the new moon I just don't want to I just want to kind of hide indoors you know and, and just watch tv and, and and do you know not very much but catch me around the, the full moon and um you know life and soul of the party you, 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 yeah, you, you yeah. can't stop me um I think it's, it's different for everybody and, and we all have different facets to who we are as, as people different types of of energy uh, you know within us of, of, of the things that, that we like to to do with our lives don't we it's um you know I, I tend to sort of say to people you know this is why I sort of say you know find out what your birth phase is write it down in a diary, you know, each month, like find out which day every month is, is the same, you know, is, is the matching day of, of, of the cycle. Um, and just start paying attention and, and see what you notice because it, it is different for everybody. As I look through your website, you have a section for the Earth House. Could you explain yeah. that? And you, you really have some four core values that I value, compassion, truth, respect and community. What is the Earth House? So the Earth House is, um, it, it's my temple, I guess. It's, um, it's new. It's only really been in existence for uh, about a year. Uh, it's only virtual at the moment, but I do really hope that in years to come that I might be able to find a, a building in, in which we can actually create a, a physical um, space. And it's, it's me bringing together um, my faith, my teachings, uh, my hopes, my dreams, everything really, um, and to create community around that. You know, we all have a great desire for belonging. Um, I think it's partly why um, I went exploring the church in my teens because, you know, the church has those um you know, those kind of communities of, of belonging, you know, available to people. And, and it, that's really attractive to want to spend time with like-minded people and with people with the same, you know, values and faith and, and beliefs as yourself. Um, now, typically, paganism doesn't have very many of those spaces. You know, we, we don't have, uh, you know, lots of churches and temples. There are a few, um, but as we discussed earlier, paganism, paganism is quite a, a solitary uh, kind of faith system um, in the main uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't have that same human longing for community and shared value and um, you know shared experience so I, I wanted to, to kind of bring the earth house into being to create a, a central place of, of community for people that want to uh, or do should I say 
walk an earth-centered spiritual um, path. And actually, the earth house isn't necessarily only for pagans. I think you can be from other um, faith paths and you would, I hope, find welcome there. My intention is for it to be an interfaith space that, you know, it's more to do with... um, you know, recognising the earth as sacred and all its beings as sacred. And I think that that is something um, that is found across a number of different um, faith and belief uh, systems. It's not unique to paganism. Um, yeah, and, and the, the, the core values, are, are, you know, they're, they're the ones that I feel really strongly about and that they're values that I feel that I can commit to as as a human being trying to survive in a quite a difficult world and um, I've just uh, at the beginning of the year started a training group for um, people who would like to be uh, sort of priests of the earth house to to be priests chaplains a bit like me who want to walk an earth-centered way and to walk alongside other human beings who are finding this journey of being human difficult um, and and that we can you know walk alongside each other and, and be with each other on those journeys um, and so each of those priests have been asked to also commit to those values and and to, to commit to that way of being and to this notion of holding the earth as sacred and wanting to take care of it and all its beings what's in your temple in, in, in literally in my temple? Um, I was thinking literally, but I, I'm listening to you. I think it's less literal now than when I had anticipated after you started talking about it. So, I mean, if you were to gather with other pagans and you say it was virtual, and would you have, you know, you would just be bringing what with you? Do you know what I'm asking? I think so, yeah. Uh, a lot of heart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where I always start you know again it's universal isn't it is uh, the concept of of love and compassion it's uh, I think it's the fundamental uh, you know basic of everything Um, we start from that place then everything is possible Uh, I mean in in a more uh, I suppose more literal way I mean I, I do gather people I um I mentioned earlier the, the Wheel of the Year, which is the, the eight festivals that the pagans um, follow. We've just had spring equinox and we're partway now towards Beltane on the 1st of May. Um, there's six others sort of every six, seven weeks through the year and they mark kind of the seasons and the um, the, the kind of uh, the cycle of the land um, through the year, uh, you know, the harvest and uh, and the winter and then the spring planting and then the nurturing and then the harvest again and you know round around we go um so i hold uh, a virtual circle um, for each of those festivals through the year um, people come we talk about the themes and the traditions and the, the meaning behind the festival and why we're talking about it and why we celebrate it um, and then i get people um, I do meditation with people in those spaces. We do journaling. You know, we, we dig into what it means for, you know, those themes around that festival, what it means for us as a, a person and how we can um, anchor ourselves with with the energy of that festival and how we can use it to, um, to grow and to change and to develop things in our own lives. Uh, Arwen, uh, just like 
paganism, like any other faith tradition or philosophy of life, has a pattern of rituals for healing. And you work as hospice chaplain working with people who are dying. What kind of rituals, you know, from your tradition do you use? What kind of healing rituals do you use? You know, actually, my paganism doesn't really come into my work as a hospice chaplain um, in a very, um, not in a very literal way, because 98% probably of people that I meet in the hospice aren't pagan. Right. Um, and actually, rather, what I say is that my, my faith, my paganism, my beliefs is what holds me up, you know, just before I walk into the room to sit beside a dying person, I take a moment to call in the goddess and ask her to be with me and hold me up so that I can go and be an empty vessel for that person in the bed and meet them where they are spiritually because often, you know, their beliefs won't match mine. But that's not a problem because it's not about me. It's about them and it's holding space for them and where they are and what their needs are uh, and whether they're losing their faith, whether they're finding their faith, whether they're just, yeah, just being with them, you know, exactly where they are in, in that moment. And so my faith as such is irrelevant. Uh, it, it's, it's what it does for me inside that, that helps me be a good chaplain, I think. Well, that will take a little break. Our guest is Owen Clement, who is a hospice chaplain and a pagan priest. We'll be right back. Continuing to be a leader in the field of spiritual care at the end of life, Hospice Chaplaincy provides high-quality professional development webinars that will improve your practice of spiritual care at the end of life. Check out our latest webinars at www.hospicechaplaincy.com. I'm Sole Bam, and you're listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. We continue our conversation with Owen Clement. Uh, I see you do a lot of uh, funeral rituals. Could you tell us the difference with how you do it to how Christian pastor would do a funeral ritual? Do you know, actually, I don't know that there is that much difference in, in some respects. Um, you know, we're still honouring the life of the person. We're still calling in the divine as it stands for that person um, and asking them to take care of, of the soul of that person in death. Um, probably, uh, you know, one of the things that I do in... in certainly in pagan funeral rituals, I do also do um, civil funeral um, as well. But um, in a, a pagan funeral, um, I would um, welcome in the, the spirits of the person's ancestors to, to, be, to be there to, to meet um, the spirit of the person as they pass over. Um, and I also work with the elements a lot. The elements are something um, that, that's pretty universal uh, across all the different um, paths of, of paganism. Um, nearly all of us uh, work with them in some way. So that's earth, air, fire and water. Mm. And then some people would say the fifth is spirits. Um, you know, that, that can mean different things to different people. Um, but I uh, traditionally tend to do what I call a, a blessing of the elements for a, a person who's died. Um, 
and so um, you know kind of thinking about the fact that you know, that their their body, what's left of them, is going to return to the earth, that um, in air that their breathing has, has stopped, um, that water is the blood that moves around the person's body, um, and that fire is, you know, is, is the life force and, and the, the sun on the, the, you know, the person's being in, in life that, that's now ended. Um, and sort of asking those, those energies to, you know, kind of, you know, to release that person and allow the energy of that person, both their physical remain and then also their their spirit or their their soul, to become you know part of kind of everything again. You know, instead of being a, a, a unique living human being that, that existed on the earth, they're now back to being part of the wider energy of of of, of the universe, if you like, of of, of everything. Um, it's it's a little bit variable because different pagans have subtly different views on death and dying and what happens afterwards. Um, you know, a little bit, I suppose, like Christianity in a way. There's a, a lot of different pathways, lots of different churches with sort of subtly different, um, you know, views and, and uh, feelings about things. And, and paganism's not dissimilar in, in some ways. There are quite a lot of different um, sort of paths and, and bits of belief and so on so it, it kind of depends on the person a little bit on, on who they were and on what path they they walked as to kind of how we might honor them and uh, let them go in death hmm. i was just uh, sitting here thinking about so what how does a pagan recognize death and what happens and you gave an absolutely wonderful uh, depiction of it i uh, i i find that very powerful uh, what other rituals do you offer your hospice patients? I mean, besides funerals, I mean, what, you know, you walk in and somebody says, oh, I'm, you know, I'm miserable. I'm dying. What, how, you know, how do you counsel, I guess? I usually begin by asking them what matters. You know, regardless of, of what our sort of spiritual beliefs may be, we all have values. As we were talking about values a little while ago. Um, you know, we all have those core beliefs, those core values that, that we ascribe to in our lifetime. Um, and just because we're dying doesn't necessarily mean that those values have gone away. And so I always find that those values are a really good place to begin with people to find out what matters, what, what has real meaning, where do they find belonging, where do they find community. And often those people who, as you say, are perhaps feeling very miserable or feeling very low, have forgotten about those things. They've gotten so caught up in the story of their dying. And, and the story of their pain and all of the difficult things that have been happening to them that nobody's asked them what matters often. And I might be the first person in a long while who has said, well, what matters to you? What would, you know, what would help you right mm. now? Mm. You know, like, what, yeah, just like, where, where, where are you coming from as a human being? What has your life meant? And actually... Once we've kind of walked around some of that for a little while, it, it brings all of that back for them in a way that maybe they'd forgotten. Um, 
you know, sometimes it, it can even be things like um, they have a love of music and singing that they've forgotten about because they, they've, they've been, you know, just living with this pain and living in this difficult journey. Um, and I might sort of say, so what do you like music? And they go, oh, yeah. So what's your favourite song or what's your favourite hymn? It's, you know, if I know that they're Christian, they're religious. And then we get into a whole conversation about the magic of music and where music can take us. And, and you can just, you see this person who was feeling very inside themselves, very stuck, very small, and you literally can see them open up. You, you, you watch their energy just open and lift, and they come to, oh, I'd forgotten about that. Mm. And by the time I walk out of that room again, you can see that they're different to the, the person that they were when they walked in. That, to me, is chaplaincy in, in, in the, for the dying in, in mm-hmm. the hospital. You are an amazing meaning maker, and um, that's really powerful. Can I ask you a question first before we move on here from just that that hospice by the bedside? Sure. Uh, occasionally, I have been asked all the time, you know, so what's your what's your religious background? Are you asked that, and have you been excused because you're pagan? Once or twice. Yes, you know, I mean, I, I'm never not honest about it. If I'm if I'm asked directly, um, then then I'll, I'll say. And yes, I've, I've had a couple of occasions where people have kind of gone a bit wide eyed and gone, oh, oh, "No, I don't think I want to talk to you." Actually, more often, what happens is I walk in and I say, "I'm I'm the spiritual care lead," because that, that, I'm not sure. really called chaplain here. We, we we tend to call ourselves spiritual care leads or spiritual care coordinators. Mm. And I walk in, and I say, "I'm the spiritual care lead," and, and I say, "Oh well, no, I'm not religious." <laughs> and, 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 and they just shut me down. It's, it's nothing to do with what yep. my faith is. They, they just, right. they, they've heard the word spiritual or they've heard the word chaplain and, yep. and, and the door just shuts. Yep. Um, so, so sometimes it's, it's you know, it, there's a little bit of, of knowing who people are in advance, you know, kind of, you know, finding out from, from my team, you know, who these people are, what their faith beliefs are before I walk in so I can kind of work out whether I need to be, you know, working around that a little bit. But actually a lot of the time, People don't ask me. Um, oh. I just walk in. I say, I'm Arwen. I'm, I'm the spiritual care lead. I'm part of the well-being team here. How are you doing today? And away we go. And, oh, and, yeah. and they, ju- they just take me for who I am. And often they're just really glad for a bit of company and a chat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, exactly. So get, even in hospice, people can feel quite isolated. So just oh, all the time. That isn't, somebody that isn't clinical staff that's coming to do something to them that's willing to just sit and listen is just really valuable to them. It doesn't really matter who I am or what, what I believe. I mean, that happens, you know, all the time where you just walk in and all you are is who you are and they know a little bit of what you're about. And then eventually maybe they might ask you, Oh, so tell me about your background. And then that's by then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because by then you've already built the relationship Absolutely. and, and, they kind of decide, actually, you're all right, so all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Owen, it's obvious there are many layers to you, and we could have a very long time talking. But as we come to the conclusion of this recording, uh, could you take us through uh, meditation is a big part of your you know, practice. Could you take our listeners and us through a, a little meditation? Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be delighted. Okay. So would everybody like to just make themselves really comfortable just wherever they're sitting right now? 
close your eyes and take a nice, long, slow breath in and out. Just allowing all the parts of your body to just relax and settle. There's nowhere else to be right now, but right here. Nothing else to do, but be in this moment. And as you breathe, slowly in and out. Start to build a picture in your mind a place in nature. Just allow that picture to grow and start to explore it with all of your senses. What can you see? What can you hear? Can you smell? Is there anything to taste? What can you touch? Perhaps you can feel warm sun on your skin. Gentle breeze flowing around you. Perhaps you can hear birds singing. I invite you now to start walking in this landscape that you've created. Just keep exploring, noticing everything around you. Perhaps as you wander, you might come across great tree. Great ancient tree. Big trunk. Canopy of branches above. Wind blowing through its leaves. And it's an old, old tree. And it's watched people come and go for centuries. And there's a little place at the bottom of the tree, like a little seat tucked in by its roots. It 
So take a seat there now under that tree. Make yourself comfortable there. Again, just noticing all the things that you can see and hear. Noticing how you feel sitting here with this old tree. Feeling the strength of it at your back. If you just let everything go quiet now. There is a message for you from this tree. If you lean back into it, you listen. Listen from your heart. Just allow yourself for a few moments to be with this tree and listen for its message. When you think that you have heard that message, give the tree your thanks. Get up from your seat very slowly. Walk back the way you came, back to where you started. Just very gently, let the image of that place start to fall away. Start bringing yourself back to real time, gently moving your body, returning your breathing to normal. When you're ready, opening your eyes and coming back into normal time. Owen, thank you. Thank you. Wow. That was Owen Clement, who is a pagan priest and a hospice chaplain from the Midlands in England. 
Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting in Joliet, Illinois. Audio Hive Podcasting is a studio dedicated to podcast recording, editing, and production. For more information, visit us at audiohivepodcasting.com.